Paul's letter to the Ephesians 5 8-19. Brethren, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it is said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Dash. This is a really thought-provoking passage, as it is full of contrasts. The first sentence is made up of a command with an explanation and an encouragement toward certain action. Paul's command is to walk as children of light. The idea of darkness and light is a common dichotomy across many cultures and through most of known history. Those things that are done in the dark usually consist of questionable, immoral and often violent activity. People tend to hide that which they want to do but would be ashamed for others to know about. So in essence, Paul is calling the church to behave in a way that requires no hiding or deception. Interestingly, the reason he gives for doing so is that the fruit of doing so is found in what is good and right and true. Breaking this consequential explanation down is curious. Paul does not say to do so because doing so is good, right, and true but that the fruit of doing so is found in what is good, right, and true. This passage should be tied back to the fruit of Spirit, as found in Galatians 5 22-23. When the follower of Christ is walking as a child of light, he will be producing the fruit of what is good, right and true, that is, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When someone lives a life that does not require hiding and deception but can be lived out in full view of anyone, it will be a life that is good, right and true and in doing so, he will produce love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As Paul tells the church in Galatia, this is the result of living by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Paul then approaches the issue from the opposite perspective. He directs them to not do the works of darkness. First, they are not to do so because activities of darkness do not produce good fruit. This contrast shows that the life of the follower of Christ is to be one that is productive. The consequences of his life choices and actions should generate good. Paul then takes it to the next level and encourages the church to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And at the same time, he says that it is a shame to even speak of these acts of darkness. So a careful balance must be held here. Like interacting with a dangerous animal, a hazardous substance or a treacherous person, great caution must be taken. If a wild animal is loose in your town, it would be foolish to run up to it, with the thought of conquering the beast. Informed, cautious action is necessary in order to protect oneself and others from this animal. Once the danger is identified and understood, it can be addressed and conquered. Paul then changes metaphors and creates a parallel between darkness and sleep, and light in being awake. Prior to one's baptism into Christ, one is dead, still trying to live by the tenets of the Old Covenant. Outside of Christ, there is only death and darkness. Paul calls the church to caution and to pay attention to how one walks. Being attentive to one's lifestyle is a requirement. We are called to be attentive and thoughtful. Because we are part of the church, it is our responsibility to live accordingly. It is our responsibility to do what we can to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It is often said that we only have one life and that we need to make the best of it. And defining best must take place upon the foundation of the Christian faith. 
we do not have the option of defining good according to our own whims and preferences. Paul goes on to say that we need to be attentive and productive because the time is short and the times are evil. In the face of limited time and as we are surrounded by evil, we must work hard and strive after living a life of holiness so as to positively impact the world around us. Therefore, Paul says, we are not to be foolish but instead we are to know what is the will of God. This is another interesting contrast. Knowing and doing the will of God is the exact opposite of foolishness. God created man to freely love him and to be loved in return. When man is living truly human, he will be living the life for which he was created. Anything else is foolishness. Like a fish that desires to live on land or a mammal that desires to live on the bottom of a lake, death will be the only consequence. Any lifestyle that is contrary to a life of love for God and love for one's neighbor will only result in death. The idea of this contrariness must be understood as foolish. Paul then contrasts drunkenness with a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not about the use of alcohol but about the use of alcohol as a replacement for being filled with the Spirit of God. Getting drunk is contrary to a life of wisdom. Comparing someone who is drunk with someone who is looking to love God and love their neighbor by living a life that is focused on producing love, joy and peace is an interesting comparison. No one likes to deal with a drunken fool and at the same time, everyone wants a neighbor that is selfless and loving. There is a reason that public drunkenness is illegal. There is a reason that hard alcohol is called spirits. Not to suggest that drunkenness has anything to do with demonic activity but instead it is a mind-numbing behavior that directs one away from a productive life. Paul's final explanation is curious as well. When someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, it will manifest itself musically. The follower of Christ will be filled with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. He will interact with fellow believers, building one another up via singing and melody. This closing comment should stimulate some thoughts about the role of music in the life of man. What exactly is taking place when someone who is not filled with the Holy Spirit creates music? How does the act of drunkenness fit into the creation of music that is not built upon the Christian faith? It seems that the role of music reveals the source of one's life.